What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Thursday, April 22nd. I'm Akila Hughes. And I'm Gideon Resnick, and this is What a Day, where we are wishing a happy Earth Day to those who celebrate. Yeah, you don't have to celebrate the Earth, but we recommend you do. Today, I'm actually going to celebrate Saturn. I think that that's really not right. On today's show, the latest is all about what's next. The guilty verdicts for Derek Chauvin do not mean that America is closer to making the country safer for people who are black, brown, trans, undocumented, whatever identity that makes them who they are. Uh, But it did mean that this one police officer will face punishment for his crimes. And the news caused a wave of political tremors, though. For example, Attorney General Merrick Garland announced yesterday that the federal government will look into Chauvin's former employer, the Minneapolis Police Department. Today, I am announcing that the Justice Department has opened a civil investigation to determine whether the Minneapolis Police Department engages in a pattern or practice of unconstitutional or unlawful policing. Yeah, and it's possible that out of that investigation, the Minneapolis Police Department could settle with the feds or enter into what is known as a quote-unquote consent decree that forces the department to make strong changes in its use of force policies. And that is on top of the DOJ's current investigation into whether Chauvin violated George Floyd's civil rights. But for people just trying to exist in their own neighborhoods, there's still a lot of mourning and sadness. Today is the funeral for Dante Wright, the 20-year-old black man who was killed by a police officer during a traffic stop in the Minneapolis suburb of Brooklyn Center. Then over in Columbus, Ohio, details are still coming out about what happened on Tuesday in the police killing of 16-year-old Micaiah Bryant just minutes before the Chauvin verdict was announced. Bryant's mother said that her daughter was the one who called 911 for help, and yesterday police released the body cam footage of the events as they unfolded. In reaction, hundreds of people staged a sit-in at The Ohio State University. So we'll continue to follow that story. Yeah, it is painfully obvious the issue of police brutality is bigger than the conviction of one officer for murder. So to talk about the Chauvin trial in the context of the greater effort to make police accountable or rethink the role of police in society altogether, we have with us Jamiles Lardy. He's a staff writer at the Marshall Project and has been reporting about policing for years and following the trial since day one. Jamiles, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me back. So you've obviously been following the trial and the jury came back pretty quickly after just 10 hours of deliberation. So what did you think when you heard their guilty verdicts? Um, broadly speaking, I mean, I can't say I was surprised. I thought the prosecution uh, did a, you know, they they dropped truckloads of context and experts, um, you know, and I, and I think they had what, what some legal um, scholars and some commentators have called, you know, the mother of all evidence on their side, which was that video of, of um, George Floyd's death. And, you know, I, I, I think maybe that was, you know, a little bit hyperbolic, but at the end of the day, you know, when you look at their, their closing arguments, um, their closing arguments wasn't 
think about this expert that we showed you, think about that expert, think about this law that we, you know, read to you in great detail, right? Their, their argument was trust your eyes, trust your gut. Right. It looked bad because it was bad. It looked like a crime because it was a crime. So how uncommon is a conviction like this? And you obviously mentioned uh, the fact that there was video evidence that the world had seen. So did it have to do with the attention on the case overall, the the evidence, the prosecution, or basically, you know, a combination of all of that? That's a good question. It's pretty uncommon for for use of force, um, for an intentional use of force on the job. I don't have that number in front of me. I apologize, but I, I believe it's it's somewhere in the neighborhood of six or seven officers um, dating yeah. back about 10 years. Um, maybe 15 years, actually. I think that number goes back to 20, 2005. So, um, right, it's it's extremely uncommon. Um, generally speaking, when police are prosecuted, uh, it is for disproportionately, it, it is for traffic accidents, believe it or not, um, that mm-hmm. where they were doing something um, irresponsible while driving, um, or you know, sometimes police are convicted of crimes that maybe it happened with their service weapon, but they weren't acting as a police officer at that time. Um, you know, so there's, there's a handful of convictions, um, in those cases. Um, but it's, it's, it's exceedingly and vanishingly difficult to convict a police officer for an intentional use of force while on the job of doing, of being a police officer. And people were celebrating around the country after the verdict, but you know, we should Check that emotion, because when we last talked in early March, you said if Chauvin was convicted, that doesn't mean justice. Let's take a listen. A single police officer being convicted of a police killing doesn't really set like it's, it's happened before. It happened in the Walter Scott case. The officer, Michael Slager, mm-hmm. was convicted by a, or well, he accepted a plea deal um, mm-hmm. on federal charges. It didn't change the landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, it's happened before in other cases. It didn't change the landscape. Like the overwhelming fact remains that the system as it's currently designed is not designed to hold police criminally accountable for killing people while on duty. Mm-hmm. So, Jamiles, what then would it take for the landscape to change here? So I would say... It depends what you're what you're looking for. I mean, I, what we can say is that outside of the specific context of this trial, if we think about this as a post George Floyd moment, um, mm. you, you know, o- over 30 states have passed um, more than 140 new police oversight and reform laws, according to a, a, an analysis that The New York Times did over the weekend. So um you know, 16 of those were bills that explicitly banned the kind of hold that Derek Chauvin had George Floyd in. I leave it, I leave it to the listener and I leave it to um, citizens and, and, and people who are paying attention to this to decide whether or not that's enough. Right, right. And on the federal level, the U.S. Uh, Justice Department announced it is launching this broad investigation into Minneapolis uh, PD, including the policies and tactics that it uses. That's on top of the current DOJ investigation into whether Derek Chauvin violated George Floyd's civil rights. What does this new signal to you about how the White House is taking uh, this issue of, of police accountability here? Yeah, and not to be cynical, it doesn't signal a ton to me. Um, 
or in the context of if you think about the Biden administration or the or the the Biden Justice Department as somewhat of a continuation of the Obama era um, Justice Department. You look at the work they did in Ferguson with the Ferguson report, um, the work they did on other patterns and practices, investigations into other police departments. I would say it's sort of roughly par for the course, right? This is what um, a Democrat, Democratic-led Department of Justice has done in response to high-profile police violence since at least 2014, right? Since since Ferguson. Um, and then sort of going beyond this trial, a uh, number of communities around the nation have tried making various steps. You were sort of alluding to this, uh, you know, that try to rein in police powers or at least make them more accountable. Um, we were mentioning, you know, uh, language in Minnesota law. We were mentioning, you know, some of those other specific reform efforts around chokeholds. But can you tell us about some of the more ambitious efforts that we've seen here? Yeah, I mean, I think some of the more ambitious efforts, you know, you look to a place like Colorado, um, where they've taken on this this question. What they did is they made it possible for citizens to sue an individual police officer for violating their uh, civil rights under state law. You know, a lot of city councils have tried things that are ambitious or have endeavored to try things that are ambitious, which is to say they've passed things, um, they've started things, they've had the conversation, and we have yet to to see the, you know, reap the the fruit from from the the sowing of those seeds. So I think I think the jury kind of remains out. Like we don't know what the net impact of, you know, all of these cities, for example, that are committing money to have civilian uh, responders or civilian co-responders go to certain uh, mental health calls or certain uh, calls of people facing um, unhoused people, you know, different efforts like that, I think are ambitious and we just have to see where they wind up, right? I mean, the Minneapolis City Council was very ambitious in essentially, you know, declaring it was going to dissolve its police department, uh, and, right. and that ambition was for not. So I think we have to um, we have to keep watching before we can make conclusions about what all of that ambition will get us. Uh, one other sort of uh, important lesson among many in in all of this is sort of the role of bystanders, particularly um, in actually monitoring police. I don't think that we would be in this situation if then 17-year-old Darnella Frazier didn't film Floyd's death, share it with the world, uh, correct the narrative first told by police, actually erase that narrative and and replace it because that uh, initial statement didn't tell us anything about what actually happened. Um, So how important is it that bystanders keep records on police that go beyond their own reports and even their own body cameras. Yeah, it's obviously invaluable in this case and has been invaluable in other cases. Again, not, not always in securing a criminal conviction, uh, but even in cases where that didn't happen, obviously we didn't have video of, of uh, Michael Brown. Um, Mm. But think about all of the cases in the aftermath of Ferguson, uh, as, as this movement uh, was reborn and revitalized uh, over and over again, uh, and revitalized feels like a such an unfortunate term to use when what we're talking about is you know, black death, but yeah. um, so many of these moments that captured 
national attention that um, galvanized people, that pulled people off of the sidelines and and and, and pulled them into this conversation. Uh, whether we're talking about Philando Castile or mm-hmm. um, Eric Garner, or I mean, there's so uh, you know Walter Scott. The, the the list goes on and on. Um, it's hard to, it's, it's, I'm, I'm trying to like do the, the counterfactual exercise in my head of thinking if there'd been videos of none of these, how much of all of this would have happened and not happened, how much of this conversation would still have taken place and, and would not have taken place. And it's hard to imagine the world looking the way that it does now. Right. Without the, you know, either the emotional resonance of people just seeing things and sort of living in that moment, living in that experience for themselves, uh, or just having it as an, as an evidentiary, um, right. As just a strictly clinical matter to, to rebut the narratives of law enforcement, um, you know, between the, between the value of those two, I, I think it's almost impossible to, to overstate. Um, well, Jamiles, thank you so much again for taking the time and being so generous with it. Uh, we always appreciate talking to you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's a it's been a privilege. Thanks for having me. That was Jamiles Lardy of the Marshall Project talking about the Derek Chauvin trial and what's next for American policing. And that's the latest for now. Thursday Wad Squad. And for today's temp check, we're going twice as high as a butterfly in the sky. (laughs) Reading Rainbow's own LeVar Burton has been announced as a guest host on this season of Jeopardy after hundreds of thousands of fans signed a petition calling on the show's producers to hand him the reins. Burton also starred in Roots as Kunta Kinte and Star Trek The Next Generation. He won 13 Emmys and just seems like the perfect guy to ask high pressure questions about ancient Mesopotamia. There's still (laughs) no word on who will host permanently when the show begins its next season so giddy what's your reaction to burton on jeopardy what is this is amazing um <laughs> very, very very corny i promise I i'll it. do it again um i appreciate it. i th- i think it's great i mean for one thing great petition um actually like a useful use of the internet for once totally. um and burton is like yeah i mean synonymous sort of with um like when we grew up and in a way, like Jeopardy also was too. And I think it's a perfect fit. Um, and I really do think of the people that they've had so far, he will almost certainly be like most deserving of taking it over full time. Like who else mm-hmm. is a person that is like a purveyor of knowledge, if not the host of Reading Rainbow? It seems perfect. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, A-Rod, the other A-Rod, Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> was fine. <laughs> you know, he was yeah. fine. But it's that's not fine. what the job is. You know, you got to read with a certain level of condescension while also like having a bit of gravitas yourself. And I feel like, you know, Alex Trebek had that. The continuing tradition would dictate that it's got to be LeVar. Yeah. So you're feeling good about this. You you like this. 
Totally. I think that uh, LeVar Burton has done so much for every culture. He's the best. He, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen him on Community, but he's great as himself, no. uh, accidentally terrorizing Donald Glover's character, Troy. It's a very, very <laughs> funny episode. Um, but I, I just, I love him. I think he's so wonderful. And I think that, you know, the fans are right. The hundreds of thousands of people who came out of the woodwork to be like, let us have a better Jeopardy. I think they did the right thing. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, I mean, we were joking about ancient Mesopotamia, but honestly, who better to put you at some sort of ease than LeVar Burton? Right. He's great. He has he has a great presence, and he's, he's just a common guy. He just seems like a beautiful soul. Absolutely. You know, since we were children, he's been there for us, and I think that we yeah. should be there for him now and watch him on Jeopardy. So everybody tune in. But just like that, we have checked our temps. Stay safe. Go twice as high, you know? Be like that butterfly in the sky. And we'll be back <laughs> after some ads. What a Day is brought to you by Viore. Viore Performance Apparel makes the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift. Everything is designed to work out in, but it doesn't look or feel like it. And they're incredibly comfortable and cute and just the perfect thing to wear when I'm working from home or out and about, mostly at home because I'm not out and about. Yeah, yeah. I will say (laughs) I did not know clothes could be... This is, I'm being dead honest. I did not know clothes could be as comfortable as they are before I had Viore. Yes. Clothes can be so comfortable. Nobody told me. Smooth like butter, soft. So good. On the skin. I I just love living in Viore. Viore is offering What A Day listeners 20% off your first purchase when you go to viore.com slash wad. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash wad. And enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S., with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash wad today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, 
com slash wad. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Thousands of people across Russia came out yesterday to demonstrate against the Kremlin and for the release of opposition leader Alexei Navalny. At least 1,500 people across the country were arrested, and the protests coincided with President Vladimir Putin's annual State of the Nation speech, in which he said countries that threaten Russia's security will, quote, regret their deeds. Yikes. Mm. Uh, He notably did not mention anything about Russia's increased military presence at the Ukrainian border, but that's a headline for another day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Navalny is currently on a hunger strike and was recently transferred to a prison hospital as his physical condition continues to decline. Human rights experts at the UN are calling for his immediate medical evacuation from jail. Manhattan will no longer prosecute prostitution and unlicensed massage cases. District Attorney Cyrus Vance made the announcement yesterday while also dismissing thousands of prostitution and sex work-related cases dating back to the 70s. Manhattan joins a tide of cities like Baltimore and Philadelphia aiming to change the criminal justice system's approach to sex work, which has disproportionately criminalized LGBTQ people of color. Advocates for sex workers say the decision is a step in the right direction, but also point out that the DA's office will continue to prosecute customers of prostitution. They argue that this will continue to push sex work and sex workers underground into less safe environments as compared with true decriminalization, which would make things safer for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. Biden wants us all to do a Pfizer skip day. He announced a tax credit yesterday that will let small businesses and nonprofits fully offset costs they incur by giving employees paid time off to get vaccinated. The tax credit covers time off between April 1st and September 30th. Employers will be able to claim up to $500 per day per employee, including days needed to recover from vaccine side effects. So if your reaction to Moderna is a medical-grade desire to ditch work and go surfing, feel free to follow that instinct, my friends. Also in Biden news, today he's expected to announce the U.S.'s intention to cut greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030. This pledge will coincide with a virtual climate summit he's hosting with 40 other world leaders, which is seen as the country's chance to finally reassert itself as being anti-burnt planet. Yes, brave. Very brave of us to (laughs) assert that. Uh, This week, Apple shocked the world by inventing Tile, but Apple, their device AirTag, debuted on Tuesday, and it's essentially a tracker that can be attached to wallets, keys, and boyfriend's cars so their locations can be viewed (laughs) on Apple devices. I'm going to put it on any man who will then be my boyfriend. Um, Tile has been making the same kind of product since 2012, and it published a statement that accused Apple of using anti-competitive tactics. Specifically, Tile said Apple gave itself an unfair advantage by integrating the AirTag functionality into the Find My app, which is pre-installed on Apple devices. Tile testified to Congress about Apple and Google yesterday, along with representatives for apps like Spotify and Tinder. The hearings focused on the control that Apple and Google exert over developers through their app stores and the commissions they charge for app downloads. Reminder that you can boycott technology by listening to WAD on an old seashell. Yeah, and look freaking awesome while doing it. That's right. No one's got that cool new phone. That's you out here with the seashell. And those are the headlines. (laughs) One more thing before we go, in case you missed it, Pod Save the People co-host Kaya Henderson sat down with Oscar-nominated director Shaka King to talk about his film, Judas and the Black Messiah. To listen, check out the episode Pat Yourself on the Back in the Pod Save the People feed on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, love Earth, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just the history of ancient Mesopotamia like me, <laughs> What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Akila Hughes. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and have, have fun, fun hugging, hugging trees, trees today. today. You know, hugs are back. 
but mostly for trees. Yeah, we're going slowly here. You know, mm-hmm. take your time. Work your way up. Yeah. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Charlotte Landis. Sonia Tun is our assistant producer. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Leo Duran, Akila Hughes, and me. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 